Yes, and welcome back to the Mate How Good Words podcast with me, Josh. And me, Dono. And it's the Week in Football, baby, where we discuss what happened in the Week in Football. Only one place to start. I've actually written it on our notes as the Chelsea City final, which shows how shit uh, my prep was for this week. So, um, the big blue bottle jobs versus Klopp's kids. What was your, what were your thoughts? Anything massive that you've taken out of the game? Or are we just going to kind of leave it because everyone's done it to death already? Mate, we've absolutely... We've, we've written the script. I, every single week, we say something and it just goes the complete and our opposite way of what we say. Is that a curse or a gift? Or, or do we just talk absolute shit? I think we might talk a lot of shit, but also I think yeah. we might have a gift. And the gift is we make people better. Yes, agreed. But I also think... If you like, if you wetted a paper towel and you wetted a yeah. hundred paper towels mm-hmm. and you chucked them a wall, like three or four are going to stick. So I reckon we said so many things that just are nowhere near and have not got and nothing anywhere right and had no impact. But we just we say so much shit that <laughs> at least one has to stick. Um, but also, yeah, I think it's a gift, and I think we're right every time we talk. So, um, so I take everything back I've just said. I so, also d- d- go, on, go on, carry on. What? 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 No, no, no. What? I, I want to was... know what the incident. I want know what the incident is that you mean, or the thing that you mean that that we have had a direct impact on. I, I, I last week I said I think it's going to click, and nothing clicked for Chelsea at the weekend. <laughs> Sorry, it clicked. It cl- it it almost clicked. Like it was it clear. It was clear. But the, the click yeah. at the end just wasn't there. Yeah. It was... Oh, it was so toothless. Yeah. The chance... They created so many chances, but they just couldn't... Oh, so I say it every week, you could put a ball in the back of the net. But they had so many chances to beat them, mate. Yeah. Didn't they? Yeah. I think... I think I, I... I think looking at it and watching it back, I think that... I actually feel like some of the reaction to Chelsea has, has actually been a little bit harsh at points. But also, it is, if you take it from the balance, Chelsea losing to Liverpool in the Carabao Cup final, the whatever, how many chances they had and stuff, it's like, oh yeah, no, it's not. that's not embarrassing. But it's just... I think the what annoys me is I've already heard people. Yeah, well, Chelsea's side was younger than the other side, and it's like you're kind of missing the point. The point is that Liverpool had five academy graduates on the other pitch at the end of the game. That let's be frank, none of us fucking knew. None of us yeah. knew them. Like Liverpool also went. We've also felt like Liverpool pretty much publicly went. We want penalties. By making those substitutions because they bring off Robertson, they bring off McAllister, etc. That that is basically going. We're not throwing the towel in, but also we probably won't be that gutted if we lose. But also we just wanted to go to penalties. Yeah. The fact that everything was allowed to happen the way it did in extra time, and the fact that Liverpool won it is just it is it's a sign of rot, just rot, and it's a sign of lack of leadership as well for me. Yeah, I think it's a lack of leadership and poor recruitment, I'd say. 
but not even put, yeah. it's not even necessarily poor recruitment. It's just yeah, it's it's leadership. The players that they've sold, arguably a lot of them. Are, sorry, not arguably a lot. A lot of the players that they ended up selling on were players that were coming towards the end of their career. But they've also sold a lot of academy graduates that they yeah. didn't need to sell that were more than good enough for Chelsea. Players like Mount, players like Tammy Abraham, um, Tamori. Yeah. Who else have they got? They sold. Um, but even that, that those three players there, that's the spine of a team. All three of those yeah. players walk into that Chelsea team now, easily. All three of them, and they've gone and spent an astronomical amount of money on potential when they already had it. They didn't need to do it, but they went and did it yeah. anyway. So that's yeah it's poor it's poor leadership i don't know who calls i don't know who's pulling the string oh i do well you know it's todd Bowley. todd Bowley is obviously pulling the strings at chelsea but is he the one that's signing all these players i don't know i don't know if they have a director of football if they have um sporting director what it is at the moment but i I feel like i change my mind every week on where they're going because they have a good result and you think oh this might actually start working but they just looked. They looked bereft of ideas. Yeah. On the other weekend. I also, um, just on that as well. Like I feel like, oh, I don't know. I, I I feel like it's the the lack of consistency is something that must be. I I, I can't I can't imagine what it's like being a Chelsea fan at the moment because it mm. must be like for ninety minutes you're actually quite happy with how your team has done. And you're not. This is the one thing I am finding a little bit difficult. I've got to be honest. Is I feel like the reaction is like there's that game doesn't show to everyone that there's issues at Chelsea, but the reaction is like, wow, this is the thing that's shown us that everything is so rotten at Chelsea. And it's like how no, you could see, you mean you could see that over the course of the twelfth or whatever but, they are, or tenth. But on on that that this this is their this is their defining moment of the season though. They're going to finish in mid-table. If they're lucky, they might get a Europa Conference League or a Europa League place. I can't see it happening. I cannot see them finishing inside the top seven. Can't. Um, And this is their chance to actually take home a piece of silverware in a season that's been quite disappointing. So it would have been been massive, really. Um, I saw before the game Ben Chilwell come out and say this would be bigger than winning the Champions League in terms of where they would, where they are wanting to go, which has spun my head because that just tells me that they <laughs> they've got to go in anywhere if they think that winning the League Cup is going to be a catalyst to, to to spur them on to I don't know finishing in the top four or winning the league in the next couple of years. That's just that's just mental. He's come out yeah. and said that. That's the kind of talk of someone that feels like you need one moment they need a moment to make them great whereas yeah. that's not how it works no. that, that that tells me that there's there's a there's a real lack of belief in that in that squad that they think that yeah. winning that cup would have spurred them on to be better yeah agreed fully yeah okay but I, I, in fact i've tweeted that more i kind of forget your point a little bit more and i'll probably agree with you a little bit more um something that's not very easy for me to do um, and something that I really don't want to do, but uh, you, as as shit as it is for Chelsea, Klopp, Klopp, yeah. did, like the I, I know he's 
his goodbye is 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 going to take a long time, and it's going to be whatever X Y Z is going to happen in that time. But it is the amount of praise he deserves for the it was it was one thing is one thing one thing the one moment that sticks in my mind is I was actually watching it a bit on MNF on Monday Night Football yesterday, and it's when it's when the two lads, the two young lads, Clark and the other fella are trying to play football the right way and you look around and he is they get a corner from it but they're like they're inter like they're they're interchanging between Enzo and Kaisedo. They're playing the ball around and they get a corner from it. And he is going like he's clapping and going mad and I was like, Oh my god. Imagine playing for Klopp. Like as much yeah. as I hate Liverpool, imagine playing for Klopp. It would be unreal. It would be unreal. And I hate Liverpool. I don't think I. I don't think I. Oh, I do hate Liverpool. I don't think I hate Klopp. I have hated Klopp at points, but I don't think I hate Klopp. No, I don't but, think you can hate him. Like regardless of who he manages and all the stuff he does, I don't think you can really hate him because of how. Nah, good he when he is. when he started blaming the wind, when he started blaming the wind, <laughs> I hated him then. When they were shit and he blamed the wind, Jesus Christ! No, that was at point where. I'd, Again, hate's always such a strong word, and it hates it trivial. I don't actually hate him. I don't wake up like Klopp, but I just <laughs> I very I, I dislike the what he said at that point, and I dislike him at that point. But what this made me think, all of it is, I actually think how great Klopp has been and the impact that Klopp has had makes Xabi Alonso's life significantly more difficult in terms of the decision that he makes. And I tell you, the reason that I think that is because. Shabby Alonso is going. Shabby Alonso is going to have to make the decision of the Bayern job is is there, the Liverpool job is there. The differences, the differences, of the job are Bayern Munich. He is going to somewhere that is in a poor position for themselves. So where they should be, they're in a poor position. But if you look at their squads, they've got an absolute unbelievable wealth of talent in there and they will spend a lot of money they'll spend a lot of money they'll sell a few players but they'll spend a lot of money in the summer I think because Bayern will feel like they need to get back to the top then they'll have a huge reaction so he's catching a club on the down and can bring it back up I think if he literally wins this league if he was a Bayern manager and won the league next season he'll have done a great job whereas with Liverpool as has been seen very regularly and Emery's another example of this at Arsenal Moyes is not quite obviously not the standard That's, that's different he has to take after one of Liverpool's greatest ever managers and has to... Because Klopp, Klopp almost, it feels like... I know they're not the paupers. I, I feel like sometimes Liverpool play like they're the paupers and they're not. Klopp, has, Klopp, Klopp, I would argue, has overachieved with what he's done and where he's got mm. that club. So Alonso has to overachieve again to get them in a similar position which I just don't feel like he could do straight away I don't feel like he could come in and do it I feel like maybe someone else could set because the the, the person that always comes in after a great manager generally doesn't do as well so I think now the decision for Xabi Alonso gets way more difficult because if he he catches Bayern on the down and lifts them up that's great but if he could, this could be his one opportunity at Liverpool when he could be catching them at a bad time because they're doing, they've just done so well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do agree with you. I think, I think a great manager though would still be able to take it over. Maybe there's obviously going to be a transition period between Klopp and the next manager. That's going to be inevitable. 
even if, for example, I know there's talk of his assistant taking over, there'd still be a transition because there's such a massive void to fill. So if Alonso comes in, he's he, he he's going to have his own way of doing things. He's going to have players he wants to bring in. It's going to take a while to to adapt. Whether or not he would be afforded that time is probably what he's probably thinking because his next move is going to be massive. Because at the moment, he's the hottest property, isn't he? He could go to, if Ancelotti was to leave at the end of the season, Madrid would probably want him. Bayern, by the sounds of it, want him. And he's being linked to Liverpool. I don't know if he actually is Liverpool's number one target or not. But he's he's the natural fit, isn't he? He's the one you would assume they would go for. I think Bayern would be such an underwhelming move for him. I would love to see. I, I want to see him try and take that Liverpool job on, just because I want to see how good he actually is. And I think yeah. a great manager can could 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 take it and 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 hit the ground running. Yeah, but I think there's, there's what I think for him is there's no risk, or there's not no risk. There's less of a risk with taking the Bayern job than there is with taking the Liverpool job. Yeah, because you replace you re- you're replacing a manager that people don't like as a hot property that people are going to love. Like Bayern will be over the Bayern fans, you'd be over the moon if you got Xabi Alonso. So you're going to take you're going to go from someone who Tuchel who hasn't been particularly popular, the board haven't particularly liked, they haven't been particularly successful into someone that they would love to have as a manager, ex player as well, which we I think maybe gets forgotten. He's an ex Bayern Munich player as well. Mm. Whereas Liverpool, yes, you will be loved, but you're going into a place like the most loved man in the last 20 years, other than maybe Steven Gerrard. Do you, like, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, there's a, it's, I, I think, I think it's so hard for him. I thought yeah. he was an absolute nailed on until Bayern Munich came out. And I thought about it quite a lot actually since until Bayern Munich came out and said, we're sacking Tuchel. I think that's a ploy to make, to put Shabby, to put doubt in Shabby Alonso's mind. I think I think he, he's ambitious. I think he'd, he'd 100% take the Liverpool job over the Bayern job. I don't think that's even a question. But I can see why you would say it's probably a better move to go to Bayern than it would be to go to Liverpool. But I don't think that's an exciting move for him. I know you're saying mm. he's the next player. It's the, it's the biggest club in Germany. But he's going to win the league this season. That's that's a foregone conclusion, I, I think. Um, yeah. What's he got to prove in the Bundesliga after he's done that with Leverkusen? Go to Bayern and do what they expect you to do, which is win the league, probably win the domestic treble, and then try and win the Champions League with that Bayern side. I don't think they're good enough to win the Champions League with that squad they've currently got. Um, I think going to Liverpool would be way more interesting. And he'd probably get... What what, what what The thing I was thinking about with Liverpool is whether or not he'd get the financial back in to build the squad that he needs that he would probably want to build. I don't think he would. No. Um that he would probably get with Bayern. So that that's probably the that would be the main factor. Yeah. Also, what does it change? Does any of this change if he doesn't win the league? No, I think at this point he's wow, they'd have to massively bottle it. What are they, ten points clear at the moment? Hold on a quick look. People, they say that Leverkusen are cursed, didn't they? So, so they are oh, fucking computer. Sorry, they are 
on 61 points and Bayern are on 53. So they are eight points clear. Eight points clear. But they haven't lost a game. They're undefeated. They've drawn four games. They're flying. They're absolutely yeah, they're flying. The they're they're not... I can't see any... I can't see Bayern... Stuttgart a third! <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I, I don't... I, I, if they bottle it now, maybe... But then it's again, it's a question of who do who do Liverpool go and get if they don't get Xabi Alonso? Don't know. And again, Bayern. I still think Bayern are probably hoping that Klopp's going to come. They might go and put someone in charge for a season and then try and get Klopp in a year's time. That's yeah. that's what that's always been in the background. I know he's. I think I think I think Bayern's the job that he wants. If he doesn't take the Germany job, I'm pretty sure that's where he's, he's going next. I think he's destined for the Germany job. I think he's destined for it. You reckon? Yeah. I think the fact he's I think the fact he's spoken about intensity and he doesn't feel like he's can give it anymore. The level of intensity he has, I think taking a job that is less intense would be perfect for him. Yeah. And also as well, if you look at Klopp as obviously look, there's loads of great things about Klopp, but what we see publicly is players absolutely love him right if you're a national team manager and you can get everyone buzzing for every camp especially in someone like Germany where the mood is very low if there's someone you would back to do that it'd be him yeah agreed but obviously regarded as one of the top two best managers in the world as well yeah now's the time in it if you're going to get him to be the national manager now is the time whilst he's at the best at the top if you can bring him in whether or not they've got the players but I think a manager of that quality elevates the, the quality of the, uh, yeah. elevates the, the players levels they've got good players but probably not a World Cup winning team but if you've got a world if you've got a world class manager he could probably take them to that level you can win anything yeah yeah, yeah. Because, because also if you think about it like contextually in international football there are some there are some good managers in international there's no world class international managers no not that I can think of there's no, I, 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 there's, I don't think there is I don't think even Deschamps is a great manager, but like he he's a great he's a great international manager. But he's not world class. He has yes. nothing if, domestically. If he was out of a job tomorrow, none of the big Who's teams you going are going to go and- Marseille, PSG, Leon. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and Scaloni is, I suppose, an untested entity, so it's hard to harsh on him. He's a Scaloni is a top quality international manager, but also. He's not, he's not Jurgen Klopp in any way, shape, or form. Um, right again, in the in as as his t- typical mate, how good was fashion? <laughs> I want to apologise to Kai Havertz again, even though he missed a sitter. Yeah, he did. He is playing well. But what I really want, what who I really want to praise from the Arsenal result, and again, I was thinking about this and, and recently, is Arteta. And I, and, I yeah. and we look, we know we're not fans of Arteta, but. I was looking at this. I was look again. I was looking at their side, and I was thinking, they are, they have invested so well. For one, is what one of my thoughts was. They've. All, I also feel like Arteta is getting the most out of that side that is possible. I don't feel like there are. I feel like Liverpool and Man City have more. Man City, obviously, Liverpool definitely do as well, have more world-class players, or not not even world, or top-class players than Arsenal do. I think, if you actually look at Arsenal's side, who is world-class in Arsenal's side? 
there's there's obviously arguments for that. But I'd say there's like Rice, Odegaard, Saka, and well, and Saliba. Mm. But then I wouldn't say anyone else is like not world class but top quality. Whereas like Liverpool, Alisson, Van Dijk, Trent, Robertson, which I think oh, he always gets forgotten about, um, and Salah. So I suppose that's five. And then City is just you take your pick. But what I feel like Arteta is doing is he's getting the most out of those players, but he's also doing it by playing players who don't play in their position. And all the, what my actual main point was before I come back to kind of almost contradicting myself, the other point is Liverpool have someone who is going to score them 20 to 20, 20 to 30 goals a season. Man City have someone who is going to score them 20 to 30 goals a season. Arsenal do not have that player, but are still really up in there competing. They play a centre-back at right-back every week. They have... Zinchenko obviously isn't playing at the moment. Kivio played there the other day, but they've got no real like. Well, I think Zinchenko's hopeless, but they don't have like a. Do you know what I mean? They don't have great fullbacks. Yeah. What I would say on paper, they're getting the best out of players like Jorginho, who is deemed not good enough for Chelsea, which is bonkers. They play like. Do, do, like, do, do you know? Do you get what my point? Is that like, sort of? I feel like he's yeah. really getting the it, most out of those players when they the system. Yeah, the system gets the most out of the players. You can see that. They have an aura about them as well. Like if a player comes off the bench, it doesn't matter who they are. They you know they're just going to slot in and the t- the team's going to carry on playing as it is. Even when you yeah. see a player like Elneny come off the bench, you don't go, "Oh, they're going to be open now." They, they just carry on as they were. The system yeah. carries on as long as they've got players like as long as they've got Erdegaard on the pitch. Yeah. The, and and Rice, like you say, Saliba. It kind of just carries on as it was. And they've got different players to come off the bench as well. Like when they bring on Trossard, for example, if he comes off the bench, completely changes completely changes the dynamic up front. Um, Enketiah, again, completely different player to play through the middle. Havertz. They've got good players, but like you said, not, I wouldn't say those three players are just listed, Havertz, Trossard and Enketiah. They're, they're, not, they're playing well above their level, I think, for yeah. for Arsenal. And I think that, I mean, we'll give him so much stick. It's mainly just down to some of the stuff he does and says. But as a yeah. manager, you can't argue with him. The, the football they play is very impressive. And I think yeah. they're going to push City and Liverpool very, very close to the title. And if they won it, I would not be remotely surprised. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And like you said, some of those players, like, brings on, like, in ke- like. El Nene and Kessia, those type of players, these they're they're like if they make a move, if they go to somewhere, they go to another lower level, they go to a lower division, like a lower Premier League club. If mm. if you took like Man City, you're probably more so than Liverpool because again, this is kind of the proof that Klopp's outperforming. But if Bernardo Silva leaves Man City, Bernardo Silva doesn't go to Crystal Palace. Bernardo no. Silva will go to Barcelona. Will go to PSG. Do, do you know what I mean? Like as in. If a Kanji left, even I don't think Kanji is great, but well, actually I think Kanji is right. But if a Kanji left Man City and you were like, guess where his next 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 club would be? I'd be like PSG, Bayern Munich, someone like that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. all of their, like they've got seventeen or eighteen players in the squad that it wouldn't surprise you if they left that would go to another big club. Whereas I don't feel like Arsenal do have that or Liverpool either, but more, more so Arsenal. And I think what I find, like I said, more impressive is the fact that Arsenal were doing it without a guaranteed 20 goal a season player. Saka is obviously on fire at the moment, but without like a Salah's a guarantee. Haaland is a guarantee. They're both bankers. Arsenal mm. don't have that player. So I am extremely impressed with him. And also this kind of links onto my next point as well is 
what I what I think about when I look at that what I, when I look at the squad and look at what Arteta's done is he's extremely lucky to have somebody above him that's given him the amount of time they have but also the amount of backing that he's been given when he's been making big decisions about getting rid of players like Aubameyang mm. when he got rid of Aubameyang when he got rid of Lacazette when he got rid of Ozil he, he, they, they allowed him to sort of grow that side to what it is and it took t- last year last year they were good now they are very good. Last year they surprised everyone a little bit. This year it's not a surprise that they're in that title race and it won't be a surprise when they're in a title race next year either. Um, yeah. And, and that as a sporting direction sort of goes on to my next point of United. Um, <laughs> and obviously I didn't actually get to watch United because it wasn't on three o'clock and I was actually playing football. Um, I'm one three one. Um they were shit. The last two ones. Cut that short for you. They were shit, as per usual. How yeah. are you taking six points off us this season? I don't know. But we march on. But yeah, yeah. on on United, there the next the next the next transfer window is absolutely massive. Um, I think what they decide to do with Eric Ten Hag in the next couple of months is going to probably shape what happens for the next three years. I, I mean, well, obviously it will, but. Um, I think they're probably. I probably think they already know whether or not they're going to keep him. Yeah, that's why they're bringing in Dan Ashworth. I. I don't think. I don't think he's going to stay, personally. Um, Me and I think they're probably already planning who they're going to bring in to replace yeah. him. I think he'll stay until the end of the season, um, and then I think they'll probably go and get another manager. Who I yeah. don't. I have no idea. It could be. <laughs> I saw today they were linked with Zidane, which. I mean, yeah. as a sexy name, as a sexy manager, whether yeah. or not you'd want to be the Man United manager, I don't know. Um, yeah. Would you take Zidane? I think. Well, I think it would be Tuchel. I think if they went for someone, I think they go. I think they would go for Tuchel, which I don't know how. I don't know how I'd feel because I. I, I he's a, he's obviously a great manager, but I don't know how I'd feel because I feel like it's. I feel like it just stinks of what we always do. Yeah, like it's it not like a very out the box sign, out of the box sign. Which not that it always needs to be, but I don't know. I think that what I think that my sort of point linking to the Arsenal side of thing is, and I've thought I've thought this similar thought for years, but it's properly come into my head at the moment. Is I think that Man United as a club have an inferiority complex, and what I mean by that, and this is going to sound weird, right? And bear with me this because it might take a while to explain. Is Man United are so concerned, it feels like, about a player going and being good somewhere else that they don't allow them to leave when they need to leave. So as mm-hmm. an example, right, so take Arsenal as an example. Aubameyang left Arsenal, went to Barcelona, scored 14 goals for Barcelona. Terrible season at Chelsea, he's now scored, what, 18 goals in, in Ligue 1 or wherever he's playing? But Arsenal don't give a fuck, they won't care, Right. Man United have done this for years where we hold on to talent, we hold on to people that are talented and we think that have a high ceiling, but they just haven't done it consistently for so long. And rather than sell when we should, we just hold on to them. Rashford, Martial, we did it with Pogba, we did it with. I, I feel like we're going to do it with Bruno. Like. We are just we just hold and hold and hold because it's almost like well we can't let Pogba go to Real Madrid because that'll make us look weak or we can't let Pogba go to Juventus because it'll make us look weak and it's like 
if someone doesn't want to be there, which so clearly Man, there are there are there are some players at Man United that look like they just do not want to be there, just get rid of them. Mm. Just, just get rid. If Marcus Rashford leaves tomorrow, goes to Real Madrid and scores forty goal a season, forty goals a season at Real Madrid, that just has to be what it, which won't happen. But that just has to be what it is. That just like that just has to be what it is. That that is what it is. It's done. Whereas Man United think. This is a market ball asset. This is a sellable asset. This is a market ball asset. If we lo- if we lose them and they go and be really good, it looks really bad on us, and we just hold on to people for ages. And I look at that. I looked. I looked at the. It was mental how much of a difference not having Hoyland has on the United's season, or, 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 or on United's performance. And the thing is as well is that you. I don't know what, what it wouldn't surprise me if we lost 7-0 in the in the Manchester derby but it wouldn't surprise me if we won 2-1. We are so all over the place it is an absolute joke but not in like a not in like a um not in like a mid-table club sort of way. It like performance half to half and performance game to game we're different we're somewhere a different team at some point. We absolutely d- we absolutely dominate the ball and we played really good football for about 15 minutes and then all of a sudden we play like no one's got any idea what's happening. And and I, I'm just so like, I'm not, I, I've said this before, I do, I don't, I never, I, I know how privileged I have been to have been a Man United fan because of how much we've won, etc, etc. So it's not a case of, oh, feel sorry for me. I don't feel, I, no, no, I would never get sympathy. I don't want sympathy. And I, I feel like a lot of Man United fans are relatively similar. But it's, but that also doesn't negate from the fact that it's really infuriating. Yeah, I think just on Hoyland, I think Hoyland's probably papered over a lot of the cracks of your performances for the last few weeks with his goals. Um, and I think the weekend was... A, was I think that was like an accumulation of a lot of games where you've kind of scraped by if you just you would have screwed that that point against Fulham was scraping a point as well but yeah. United went for three they went for three points and they got it was it was the the second goal was it was bad like in terms of oh Maguire Maguire's decision making for the second goal was terrible but also like United just like played into Fulham's hands like you could just everything they wanted you to do they you did it they did it and mm. Adama Traore turning Maguire on the halfway line when he's been absolutely terrible for the past, I don't know, three years to to make him look like Adama Traore of like four or five years ago. It's just so typical Man United. I don't know what... And then Alex Awobi to score a goal where he's planted Onana in one spot. Yeah, I think... I think that game probably has put the put the nail in the coffin for for Ten Hag. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, "Oh, it doesn't look good for Villa." Man United, Man United were looking like a like the threat. Now it doesn't look like. I don't. I, can't, I don't want to say it, but you don't. It don't look good. We're not getting the Champions League. There's absolutely no way we're getting the Champions League. The the, the signs of how bad things are are like. The, the best part of our season has been uh, an 18-year-old coming through and playing six games and being really good. That's the best part of our season <laughs> this year. Kobe Mainu is, is is the biggest, is is the highlight of this season that, that we'll take forward. But I also think as well, like, 
rumours today that we're look, we're looking to accept offers for Anthony. We know that we're going to take a massive loss. Is like, oh my god, this is if that's actually the case, this is what we should have been doing for years. Because what because what would usually happen is Anthony would sit there for five years on a massive contract. He would run out the contracts and he would go on a free. That is what that is what would have. So if we're actually going to go, fuck it, we're getting rid of him. We'll take a huge hit. I think that's a. I, I think whilst it might not look a good thing in the short term, might not look good on Man United. I actually think it kind of does in the sense of because it's not the the current ownership and the people that are making the sporting decisions aren't the ones that bought Anthony. So uh, mm. that that to me comes across like quite a good thing, but also again kind of says to me that Ten Hag is um, Ten Hag is on his way out. But the, uh, well, the Bruno incident, like. Oh my god! The, that arm, the armband, the armband obviously weighs really heavy on people. But uh, I mean, the Bruno incident is embarrassing. It's embarrassing that that is the captain of our club. It, it's, it's less embarrassing if he's not. It, it just naturally is more embarrassing than the captain of our club. But what I've heard people say is, there's no leaders. There's no leaders of Man United. Who else could it be? Casemiro's fucking captain's Brazil. Like, how can how can <laughs> like? Do you know what I mean? Casemiro's Brazil's captain. Rafa Varane has uh, formally, obviously, he doesn't play there anymore. But as captain France before, how are these, how are these players allowing that sort of shit to happen? I, I'm just I, look, maybe this is over overreactionary and stuff like. that, But I'm at a point now where I feel like it needs it needs open heart surgery more than more than it did previously, and I feel like the people that are doing it may not make rush decisions, but I feel like one of Bruno or Rashford will go in the summer. And I don't know yeah. which one it will be, but I think one of Bruno or Rashford will go in the summer. And I, I think, think you could a, probably do with both of them going, to be honest with you. If you, if you. if you can get rid of both of them, I would get rid of both of them. If I was a Man United fan, I'd have them both gone. I think, Yeah. how many times is Rashford going to do second season? Have a good season, have a bad season. Have a good season, have a bad... That's not... That's not I know wingers, are con- wingers are, in particular are inconsistent. But to go a whole season, how many goals has he scored? Like two goals? Three. Last season he was on fire. And then this season he's just fallen off the face of the earth. And he still plays every week. You can't, for a team that's going to be trying to, well, a team that should be competing for titles, you can't have a player like that. Yeah. Starting every week, especially. Agreed. You can't have a player like that. And Bruno, the behaviour, like, the uh, he wouldn't play. He wouldn't start for Man City. He wouldn't start for Arsenal. And he wouldn't start for Liverpool. So I don't see why he should start for Man United. I think that if Bruno, I think that if one of those two go, it sends a message of "Oh fuck, we're not untouchable." Whereas I think those two feel like they're untouchable at the moment, and they shouldn't be because they don't. And, they've done nothing to deserve that. And yeah, and that that's that's where the issue lies. I, I, I think in football you can have points where you feel untouchable, like. Ollie Watkins, for example, probably feels like he probably feels like the the fucking man about town who could walk into town, uh, walk into training, stinking hungover, and everyone just be like, yeah, it's fine. Not that he would, but do you know what I mean? Like he's he is at, at Villa. Obviously, there's loads of great players, but he is the boy like at the moment, isn't he? Or like Harland or Sa- or whatever. Like they could like they could think, do those type of things. I don't. But think I don't think they would. At Villa, that that thinks like that. I don't think there's a player because they know the the manager's the man. Yeah, and uh, and, and that's, that's the difference, uh, and, I think. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm saying this in a theoretical situation, right? Because yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But what I'm saying is, he he will know in his head there will be some part in his head that will know how important he knows. Well, there's a mass part of said knows how important the manager is, but he will also know at some part he is the main man. 
What I think these, what I think that we get at Man United is when someone realizes they're the main man, they take, they become. I've heard someone say it before. Liverpool do things where they put managers on a pedestal. United do things where they put players on yeah. beyond the pedestal. It is so common to put people on like beyond the pedestal. Like as in, well, Eric Cantona's nickname was God. Do you know what I mean? Like as in, it's, yeah. it's, it's even though Fergie obviously was Fergie and Fergie is seen the way that Fergie is seen now. At the time, he probably wasn't perceived as that. It was the players that were seen as the be all and end all. And it's kind of like we're doing that with people that are not performing. I would understand. I would understand the perception of them being higher and their own self-worth being higher if they were performing really well. I wouldn't accept it, but I'd understand it. But Bruno's got two goals this year. Rashford's got three goals this year. And it's not even a case of what you said about consistency and inconsistency. Rashford has got two or three goals this year. I think it's three. But his performances have been absolute dog shit. Whereas last year, if he scored 15 goals... I still still think people would have gone. Yeah, he had a brilliant season up until March when he probably fell off a cliff a little bit. But he'd had a, he'd, he had had a brilliant season. He was playing really well, and it wasn't just a case of him scoring all the goals, which is obviously really important. He was actually playing really well. Him and Shaw were linking up really well. Whereas this season, it's up like, nothing. I think it's just. Yeah. yeah I think it's just going to be. A, I think it's a, like you said. I think it's a huge summer. But um, well, we'll see. We'll just just let's see. We'll. We'll we'll revisit this in uh, six. We'll revisit this in six to eight months' time, where I go Man United are back, and then we'll revisit this in twenty months' time <laughs> when I go Tuchel out, um, because the same thing happens every time. Speaking of Ollie Watkins and Villa, Villa back to flying again, aren't they? Oh mate, I'm loving it. We are, uh, well, I am loving it, but it's also causing me so much stress. I watched the game at the weekend, and at three nil up, we went three nil up. We were blowing them away, and I was thinking. We're still going to concede a couple of goals there. I can just you can just feel it in your blood. But the difference between Villa now and Villa of old, oh, I'm going to jinx it. Yeah? I'm going to massively jinx it. I'm going to say it. With Emery, when you go when it goes three two, most of the time it stays three two. With previous managers, when it goes three two, it finishes three three, or you end up losing the game. A couple of times it's happened where we've thrown it. I mean, we threw it against Man United and we threw it against Arsenal last season. They're the games I can, that I can remember doing it under Emery. But he's the, with Emery, he's very good at nipping it in the bud. So, like, he try, I think when we play at home especially, he tries to play quite expansive football. But away from home, if we're not p- performing particularly well, he'll go a lot more pragmatic and a lot more compact and we'll start to like try and grind grind goals out and try and keep clean sheets but the way we're playing at the moment is so I think he finds it really hard to do that he finds it really hard to not try and play expansive football because the team is that good at it now it's kind of probably similar to what Ange does with Tottenham he tries to just score we just try to score if we try to outscore the other team We'll win the game, um, but yeah, it's starting to get excited. I'm starting to get excited, but I don't want to get too excited because there's still a long way to go. But looking at the table and the points, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm not worried about Man United, but Man United's performance at the weekends made me feel a bit like that's a bit of like a sliding doors moment for them in their season. And the one I'm worried about at the moment is is Tottenham and how they're gonna how they're gonna finish the season. 
looking at the table, we're on 57, no, we're on 52 points. And the last few years, top four has been 70, 71, 69 points needed. For Villa to get to that, we need to win six more games. And we've got to play, what are we on now? We've got 12 more games left. I mean, we've got, we've got, I think we've got, I can't see us. No, I can't see us. We have to do it now, I think. For us to, for us to throw it now, I'd be absolutely gutted. The only thing that I think would probably have an impact on us not winning six games between, for six or seven games between now and the end of the season would be the Conference League. But I think knowing Emery, he wants to be playing Champions League football with Aston Villa. The Conference League, if it comes down to it, will take a back seat. Winning the Conference yeah. League would be great. Like, Don't get me wrong. Silverware will be great. But I'd much rather see Aston Villa coming out to the Champions League anthem next season, for, even if it's for, for five games, um, yeah. than I would to see us lift that Conference League trophy. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think it's ours, it's ours to lose now. To well, I say ours to lose, ours, ours to that spot is ours to lose. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I've just I've not got anything to add other than I love Leon <laughs> Bailey. I've got and, he's I class, love, isn't he? Oh, he's a joke. He's a he, joke. he's he's a player that is like renowned for pace, journey. but you very you very rarely see him do it. And I don't know if it's because he's had a few injuries where he doesn't try, doesn't really get out of third gear. It seems like he doesn't really like turn the burners on um but he's he plays when he put me the first goal against forest he's it's just yeah it's unreal man like where he goes past marillo who's massive massive friend of the pod um just goes past him i thought he megs him at first and then he plays the ball through philippe is it felipe plays it through his legs oh mate it's effortless. It looks effortless. So yeah, I'm I'm lovingly on Bailey at the moment. Yeah, unreal. Um, right, just a couple of things that are we. That I'm just going to go through a couple of really quick points that, about things that we've spoken about and things we were right and wrong about. Things we were right about. Burnley are shocking. Uh, they were shocking. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go and say Burnley shocking. Um, Sheffield United, after we said they were absolutely woeful and horrific, did lose this weekend, but definitely did not deserve to lose. If you watch the highlights, they could have scored six. Um, maybe not six, but they could have scored two or three. But also their players had a fight with each other. So, I mean, that happened. Um, the other thing we were wrong about is we went, oh, West, we said West Ham should stick with Moyes, and then we were like, oh, they're woeful. Um, and then they went and put in a really good performance yesterday. And yeah. Um, well, just apologies about that. One really quick thing I want to talk about before... Well, two quick things I want to talk about before we go do the predictions really quickly are... Do you think Eddie Howe is getting away with what's happening at Newcastle a little bit? Because I listened to someone earlier say, uh, and this isn't again about some Man United, but they're like, Ten Hag gets slagged off in the press every week and Howe gets next to nothing. And I don't think I agree with that because I think Howe gets slagged off in the press quite regularly... But I also think they're, they're two, two completely different managers that are doing two completely different jobs. Do you think how it's getting away with how Newcastle have got on this season? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, my opinion is no, I don't think he is. But um, I think a lot of the performances they've said, oh yeah, they've got they've had really terrible injuries. But God, mate, the amount of teams that I mean, some most of the teams that are above them have all had horrendous injuries. I know they've had a lot. Like it's kind of decimated their midfield a bit. Which is fair enough, but fucking hell, like 
they're, they're still perform they're still massively underperforming regardless of the injuries if you have like i don't know three or four injuries the fact that he's having to bring in kids like lewis miley to to start in premier league games i mean he's ready to play he's played really well but the fact they have to do that i think that's just down to poor recruitment i mean they've signed great players but the squad depth isn't clearly there they've gone into a season knowing they're going to be playing on the champions league They've had a couple of injuries and it's completely written their season off. I mean, a good manager, a top manager, would probably do better, in my opinion. I might be wrong, yeah, but I think, yeah, I do think he's getting away with it a little bit. And I, I don't, I, well, well, we'll see what happens at the end of the season. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they did part ways with him. Yeah, me neither. Because he he set the bar so high, but he was getting the he's get he gets the best out of quite crap players. I'm. I mean, this is no disrespect to a lot of the players they have, which perform very well. Like Shah, for example, he gets a, he gets a lot out of Fabian Shah. He's a good centre half, but the way he plays is fucking outstanding. Um, I don't know if another manager would get well. Uh, there will there'll be worse managers that won't get get what they get out of him. But players like Jacob Murphy, for fuck's sake, how the fuck is he starting for Newcastle um, yeah. and still scores goals? Like, it blows my mind. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he set his bar so high with his first season and a half that I wonder what this regime will do with him come the end of the season. Yeah, agreed. I think, like you said, victim his own success a little bit, didn't he? Yeah. Because I think he, if they were to finish in the bottom he half... He overperformed massively last year. Yeah. If they were to finish in the bottom half, I think they might they might pull the trigger. Yeah. I agree. And I, 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 but I also, don't, I also wouldn't surprise me if Eddie Howe gets another very good job. I don't think Eddie Howe's going to go after this. Rightly so as well. Yeah. yeah, I think he's done a brilliant job. But to be honest, I wouldn't mind him being the England manager. Um, yeah, agreed. Because well, like we were talking earlier about Klopp, talking about people that get people excited. Or, or every player that seems to play for Eddie Howe seems to love Eddie Howe, other than people, other than like Jermaine Defoe. But like the <laughs> maybe the maybe the, the, the general vibe I get is that the everyone's properly behind the manager at the moment. Maybe I'm wrong, but that that's the vibe I get, and I think he would work in the international setup. Um, right, one more thing. We one more thing I want to do is I want to we're going to talk about something that happened um in Scotland, but we're not going to talk about we're going to talk about Celtic, but we're not going to talk about what you think we're going to talk about because we're good boys. Um, we were going to talk about what happened in the in the Celtic game with VAR. All right, so. This is something I just the only reason I want to say is I just want to shout out Willie Collum for this. And like I said, we've said this before, we've listened to we've listened to podcasts about Scottish football and how it gets slagged off and stuff like that. In the Celtic Motherwell game, there's the striker, um either I think his name is, is turning a centre back on the edge of the box and it gets brought down. And the centre back gets put. So after the centre back gets put, VAR tell Willie Collum to go to the screen and have a look at it. It is never, ever in a million years a red card. But they tell him to go to the screen to look at it to upgrade it to a red card. He looks at it and goes, nah, still a yellow. I was like, I, I literally I watched the highlights and I applauded it. I went, oh, <laughs> as I watched it. Because I was like, thank fuck. Yeah, there, were, there were also a couple of controversial decisions that we're not going to talk about in the game. But thank fuck that a referee has gone, no, this is so, so obviously the wrong decision to change this. Yeah. I'm going to stick with my original decision. 
it's commendable. Yeah, I don't. You don't. Obviously, you don't really see it. Even when the decision is wrong, the referee normally goes with what they're saying. The VAR. Um, but yeah, I think I want to see more of that. But I don't think that's where the the issue doesn't really lie. The issue doesn't really lie with like the the bias that they find they they, they tend to have when they go to the monitor, which is listen to everything that they're being told. Yeah. I think that it it lies with the the misinterpretation of things with the referees, especially yeah. when they go to the monitor because they just listen to what they're saying, and it's like a convincing game, isn't it? Like, yeah. oh, this is what you think you saw. Well, actually, this is what you actually saw. Um, yeah. yeah, kick it out of football, in my opinion. Yeah, fuck it off. Correct. Um, right. Let's go for our predictions. So um, let, let's just... I can't be asked to look at our ones from last week. Let's just look forward, all right? Look at the Premier League this weekend. So um, we're going to have to rattle through this quickly because we did say, again, 40 minutes and it's 49 minutes in. So um, game number one, Brentford-Chelsea. What do you reckon? Oh, that at Brentford are stinking the gaff out at the moment. But Chelsea, And Chelsea have just coming off a massive defeat in the Cup. It absolutely stinks of one all. Yeah, agreed. Um, what I found really disappointing, I've got to say about this weekend, is um, just some of the disgusting words that were said by the Chelsea fans, like Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. <laughs> uh, I think, I think, I'm going to say, I think if Poch loses this, I think they sack him. I think they'll sack him this Whoa. weekend if he loses this. Yeah, I think they will, and that's why I think they're going to think- win three one. Because I just don't think he's. Yeah. I don't think he's going to lose. Um, Keep potching the job, I, I say. I write down the notes for this. Um, I write down the notes for this, and I just I couldn't be bothered to write the whole name, so I wrote full Bry for the next one. But it all corrected to fuck Bry. <laughs> so if your name's Bry, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> right, Fulham Brighton. Um, Fulham are riding high at the moment, and Brighton are getting results for the, the scraping. It's fucking out scraping results. Um, one all. Yeah, I'm going to go with one all as well. I know we shouldn't go for the same things, but I'm going to go for one all as well. Stinks of it. Everton, Everton, woo! Which is also one of the funniest songs. Is one of the funniest songs in football, by the way. It, the, not as although, right? Sorry, just on a completely different note. Do you know what people things that didn't need to be there and didn't need is Everton doing the woo in between the thing. But one thing this world definitely didn't need is fucking Tom Grennan singing the fucking Gillette advert. <laughs> a Gillette, the best a man can get. <laughs> what the fuck is that? Every time it comes I'm on, I'm like, that. what? I'm like, why is this turned into like a like a love ballad? It's a fucking shaver. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, anyway, um, sorry, right? Ever West, West Ham. Ham. I'm gonna go two one Evan. I'm going to go 3-1 Everton. Everton always beat West Ham. I, feel like. I always feel like yeah. Everton beat West Ham. Riding high after the points thing as well, which we haven't spoke about, but we don't... We, look, we, we, you know. You know. Right. Oli Glasner and his Palace boys are away at Ange and his Tottenham oh. boys. Did you... I like Oli Glasner. You know when I said the other... I said on the last podcast about Oli Glasner does... He... he Fans generally love him, boards fall out with him. I listened to his first interview after the game. He was like, Saturday was great. We came here, we wanted to be entertaining. Everyone went, really enjoyed themselves, entertaining 1-3-0. Everyone can go to the pubs and have a few beers afterwards. I listened to that <laughs> and I thought, as a fan, I would be like, oh, what a legend. And I was like, he's doing it already. <laughs> yeah, 
That's quality. Uh, Go to the pub and have some beers. Cheers, Ollie. Thanks for the three points, <laughs> as you were. Oh. Yeah, I wasn't going to go to the pub and have beers, but now Ollie's told me to, I better do, ain't I? Um, right, Spurs Palace. Oh, I really want Palace to go there and beat them. And I feel like they could get something from the game, but I don't know if they'll be able to beat them. I'm going to go... <laughs> have I predicted the win yet? I was going to go for a draw. Um, oh, I'm going to go 2-1 Palace. I'm going to go 2 all. I think Palace two all, yeah. Draw. I wanted to yeah. go two all, but I've done two you, draws you already. Had... Let's be honest, it ain't gonna happen. That's Three your draws. third draw. Yeah, that's your third draw. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna go two one Palace. Fuck it. Well, that would have been your third draw. So now you're on to two draws as well. Uh, right, Newcastle Wolves. Oh, that's a good one, isn't it? Um... The future England manager derby. <laughs> one all. No, I'm joking. Um... Oh, I feel like Newcastle are gonna bounce back. But it's not a good game to bounce back from. Two one Wolves. Ooh, I feel like the pressure's starting to mount on Howe, and I feel like this game could be another one where it just kicks him in the bollocks that little bit more. I've got three one Wolves. Yeah. Ooh. What's um, the next one? <laughs> not the Forest. <laughs> yeah, British game. Forest Liverpool. Ah, oh, should be should be an easy win for Liverpool. I thought Is Salah back. I'm gonna go three nil Liverpool. I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool. I agree. I think it'd be an easy win. I think it'd be relatively textbook. But I think that someone like Divock Origi is going to score. Oh, Luton versus oh. Aston Villa. Absolute. Right, by the way, do you remember when Lucky Man United just about scraped a win at little, 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 little Luton? And now, yeah. you, now, you're, now you're playing them. You're I'm thinking, worried. Fucking hell, man. I'm feeling. I am worried. Because you Saturday at the start night of the at Kenilworth season, Road. Yeah, at the start of the season, I thought playing at Kenilworth Road a night game is going to be the probably the worst possible thing we could look look forward to, which is ridiculous, but it is. Um, Paul Torres is back. Ollie Watkins is amongst the goals. I reckon. I reckon we'll beat him three one. Okay, I'm gonna go. I was going to go 3-1 Villa, but because you've already done it, I'm going to go 2-1 Luton. Okay, that's a, that's, a, that's a very different result, yeah. but all right. Completely different result. Burnley-Bournemouth. <sighs> By the way, do you remember when some, someone in our group chat said Iriola for the Liverpool job? Ah! <laughs> Gag of the decade. Um, I'm going to go 0-0. I am going to go... Oh, no. Burnley are too shit to not concede a goal. Bournemouth have been pretty poor recently, though. Yeah, they have, but Burnley are honestly so bad, they can't not concede. I'm going to go 2-1 Bournemouth. Okay, change my mind. 4-0 Bournemouth. <laughs> okay, cool. I've got. I've put you down for 4-0 Bournemouth. Um, Man United, Man City. Fucking hell, Oh, man. mate. At it's City. It doesn't look good, does it? Nah, it's a fuck up. I'm going to go 5-0 City. I'm going to go 6-0 City. <laughs> I, honestly, I think we're gonna. I think after. I think what will happen is our week trajectory will be terrible result of the weekend. We'll beat Forest tomorrow. Just paper over yeah. the cracks. Rashford will score or something like that, and we'll be or Bruno will score, and then we'll be like, oh, my United are back. Perfect. Get picking up a bit of form back in time for City and lose six 0 Yeah, and then uh, Sheffield versus Arsenal. Oh Bear in mind, God. Sheffield United have conceded what is it, eighteen goals in their uh, in their last three home games. 
Can Arsenal keep scoring as many goals as they've been scoring? I don't know if they. I think I don't know if they can. But this this no, screams like seven nil, doesn't it? What's the record? Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Ten nil Arsenal. <laughs> Ten nil. Honestly, I, I would not be surprised if they went and won 10 0. I'm going to go 2 1 Arsenal. I'm going to go 2 1 Arsenal. 10 0. Right, that's us. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe. Um, Instagram is at mayhgw, TikTok is at mayhgw, and it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Love you so much. Bye. <laughs>